Millennials are grossly underestimated. Their jobs aren't their whole world. They have options, they have the internet. Job satisfaction and strength of relationships, there ain't no app for that. Education is not a mechanical system, it's a human system. Any kind of work that's on some level predictable, then that's gonna be susceptible to artificial intelligence and, and machine learning. And that job, where you go to a building and you stay there 40 hours, and then you do that again for 40 years and then you retire, that's gone. Technology magnifies our leverage and increases our creativity. Stay hungry, stay foolish. Please wait as your individualized operating system is initiated. This is the Powerful Nonsense Podcast, guiding you through the madness of modern life. Now, here are your hosts, Wayne Ingram and Jem Yildiz. Sup, Powerful Nonsenses? Hello. We have returned to your ear holes once again for another episode of Powerful Nonsense. If you're joining us for the first time, I am Wayne Ingram. I am Jem Yildiz. And this is the Powerful Nonsense Podcast, the millennial podcast. Coming to you live from I've Got the Flu. And I'm sitting next to him, unfortunately. Yeah. Lucky you. Good times. But basically, I'm I'm that bunged up that my brain is not working at full capacity, as Jem has witnessed this morning. I made <laughs> stupid mistakes doing stupid things. Wires hanging out all over the place. <laughs> Trip hazard, health and safety. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so this is my public service announcement um, to say that if I kind of start making zero sense... Just making stuff up. And, and just making stuff up, that's why. Just accept um, it. So, Jem, <laughs> you're kind of pretty much in in command. In control of what's going to happen. <laughs> or also having to edit you out constantly. <laughs> yeah, like, right. It's like a one-way conversation. <laughs> what's yeah. your thoughts on that, Jem? It then has wait. been a few times yeah. <laughs> this morning. I've been going, could you say that again? Because I don't... Brain's not computing. I yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, so um, today we got a couple of topics we want to talk about. Um, some of these are kind of, I mean, we're a few weeks behind on some of these. Well, both of these, they're kind of, I wouldn't say old news, but about two or three weeks ago, the news broke and um, stuff that I think is only right that we talk about. Um, so one of those is whether or not young people, when they hit 25, I think it is, um, when they hit 25, being essentially uh, given £10,000. And then also, the other thing that we want to talk about is Google's answer machine surface, surface service called... Uh, it's not answer machine either. See? Brain's going already. <laughs> um, the answer machine service called Google Duplex, which they announced at Google I.O. Um, so first, we're going to get into the story of the week. So, story of the week, as I mentioned, is this concept. Which is actually something we spoke about on an old episode. Did we speak about this? Yes, because I Did remember we? saying, when we were talking about an episode about how unlikely it was that millennials were ever going to get on the property ladder, and then I remember saying that, obviously, millennials aren't doing so well at saving, and I, mm. I mentioned that maybe what they should do is, while they're taxing young people after, like, university, mm -hmm. why not put that tax into a pot that they can then reuse for set for their actual property mm -hmm. later on. Because mm -hmm. it's kind of like, well, in the early days, 
getting taxed that's the kind of money that you're also trying to save because you're not earning as much mm -hmm. so if there was a way that it kind of forced millennials to save something to help them get on the ladder then that would be a good way because actually one of my friends who listens to the show he was like oh you guys mentioned this and that's why i actually saw this story and actually was like oh yeah that's pretty cool actually and it's something that now obviously um they're considering obviously i don't I think it's very unlikely to happen. <laughs> I, I think it's very unlikely to happen as well. It's interesting because, and I said this before we hit record, I, when I first heard that, that the government were considering this as a potential, well, I say the government, I think it was an MP, yeah. went, I've got an idea. Um, and, and so the idea's kind of blown up in the news a little bit. Um, but when I first saw it, I was like, that's not a bad idea. But the more and more I think about it, the less and less... I'm actually sure it is a good idea. Well, it's the same thing when you think about like when they did like the help to buy scheme or 5% right. deposits. And mm -hmm. it's like, I think when you kind of broke down some of those schemes, I think it's worked for some people, but I also know friends who have done it and they've done it as a partner and then they've split up. And there are some serious flaws in it yeah. in terms of like, actually, I think you can't sell your house for a set period of time on the help to buy scheme mm -hmm. at the same time of allowing millennials who don't obviously have enough finances to buy a property to then now be mm -hmm. allowed to get a property on 5%. It's like, well, mm -hmm. at what point are you going to soon say, actually, no deposit, but you can have a property and now you're, you, you've got a property, but you're paying that this huge mortgage that you put nothing down on. And it's kind of, yeah, I don't know, some of these schemes are a bit scary, <laughs> I think. Yeah, and I think, I think this one could be a similar... Thing. My understanding is that the concept of this is that the £10,000 for the 25-year-old um, is coming out of uh, tax taken from older people with assets. <laughs> Something like that. That's. I might be making that up, but that was that was what I had heard. It's like the. Uh, was it's basically trying to balance out the generational gap, imbalance. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, which, like a Robin Hood that steals from the old and gives to the. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I got a question, right? So the concept. I mean, obviously, it's a very half baked concept at the minute, right? Um, but the concept being, okay, let's say they are taking the ten thousand from the rich older people um what about the the idea then is that the uh money is meant to be given to the 25 year old first of all do you think that is too young b second of all <laughs> <laughs> second of all <laughs> do you think that it should that they should be given ten thousand pounds, or do you think that it should be held in kind of uh, what's the word perpetuity like a trust or some sort or a, tru a trust? Let's do that. I've never heard of perpetuity. I'm, that I might not, be. I don't know what that mo that word even means. Well, I it's the first time I think I've actually used it. I've heard it used many <laughs> times. First times I used it, so I might have completely used it in completely the wrong context. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but do you think that it should be held in trust? Um, and for the moment that they choose to buy a house, or do you think it should be like here's ten thousand, go sort your future out? Well, what I don't understand as well is actually I don't know if people know about obviously the help to buy ISA, which actually I think is a decent thing because it kind of rewards mm. you for saving. It says, look, we'll match. I, I don't know how much it matches up to, but I know I definitely used it when I was looking to get my own property, and I think actually that works a little bit better. It's kind of like you've proved to the government that you will save something, 
will match it. And I think he was only allowed to put like £200 in a month Mm -hmm. and each month. So I think I did it for like two years. And Mm -hmm. you think, okay, well, that's like, I don't know, what's that, 200 Maybe I saved about five grand. And what they'll do is they'll match that. So it means that actually you'll maybe make 10 grand and that can go down to your like deposit. The only flaw of it is that they would only give it to you once you've actually like secured the sale. But I know me and my girlfriend did that, which helped us pay off our like stamp duty. And so actually I think that was a better way of doing it because I think if every young person knows automatically they're going to get this 10 grand, they might not have ever paid tax, never had a job. And then suddenly mm-hmm. just get this 10 grand lump sum. And again, like you're saying, if you're saying it's the older generation who are kind of maybe getting taxed harder so that young people can get it. And if it's just this willy nilly 10 grand that just lands in your account, maybe it pays off some of your student loan because you decide to educate or you do want to get a property and it helps with your stamp duty, then if it goes into something responsible, but then I don't know what the kind of clauses are in, mm. here you go, like you turn 25, it's like a birthday 10 grand that just lands in your account. Uh-huh. I do think the, I think you're right to, compare or uh, discuss the help to buy ISACs. I think, to me, that's the only way that I think the the thing can work. Because the help to buy ISA is, um, you might have the money in the ISA, but the, the government doesn't suddenly, once you hit that two years, doesn't suddenly go, here you are, here's the exact same amount you've just put in. It's that they kind of hold that money off, and if you then use that ISA to then buy a house then they'll put the money yeah in literally you can't just put the money in and it doesn't go like 200 in one month and then they match their right. 200 it's literally on the sale right then you have to do you close that ISA whatever's left in that account then they use that uh-huh. as that total sum which that I think is not too bad of a concept if yeah. it's done in in that way because I think as you say it needs to be you you do need to prove to the government I think that you are able to save some money I don't necessarily think it should be in the same way if if the idea of the scheme is to close that inequality gap. So I don't think this scheme should be necessarily that you have to, that they will match whatever you put in. But maybe if it's like you need to save, I don't know, three or four grand, something like that, because the whole point is that there's inequality. So people can't save 10 grand. That's the whole point. So if you might save three or four grand and then they go, right, okay, fine. You've, you've earned it. You've got you've managed to put enough away, and then we'll we'll um, throw that ten grand your way when you decide to buy a house. I think that might not be a bad idea. Um, I just don't know. I, I'm not sure whether or not. I just don't know if this is the answer. No, I don't think so. I think again, it's kind of if everybody gets it, then again, if it's meant to be there to help the low income people, then there should, there's other things that can be done. I mean, that's the whole point around. You don't get taxed up to a certain Uh limit and stuff like that. There's other things that kind of try to help that. And again, we've spoke about many other times. It's like, should everybody be entitled to a property and stuff like that? Obviously there's people that now can get on the ladder. I just think it's a very messy thing, but I don't think this in particular is the answer. It also seems like a, like a, band-aid plaster for a much bigger problem and actually um i think what needs to be addressed is actually the housing market rather hundred percent rather than actually 100%. whether or not young people can afford a house imagine being 24 and knowing that you're going to get your property at 25 in that year the 10 grand that you're waiting for your property has already gone up probably that by much. more than 10 grand yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah <laughs> They're the one you wanted to buy and so. exactly so so it's i i think it's kind of headline 
policy as opposed to actually anything that's going to solve any problem much in kind of the way so it's that, a you folk policy isn't it is there yeah tell the young people they're going to give you so. 10 grand i think so <laughs> and and i think yeah it, it's a bit disingenuous i think the whole idea that being said it was never anything that um the government were like this is our policy but it was just something that an mp brought up as maybe an idea and that's that people have kind of gone oh yeah we like that idea but really when you break it down it doesn't really solve much of a problem anyway because the root cause is there's just not enough affordable housing for young people and actually and also the rent market is has got ridiculous there's no and caps the landlord yeah. industry has got ridiculously out of control and the housing prices have got ridiculously out of control i do think there's i've been looking at it like a few bits at the moment like housing wise and it's something i've been quite interested in lately and there is definitely a change uh, property prices are seeming to slow down uh-huh. and i think a lot more landlords landlords are now getting stung by a lot of changes to the regulations so i see things improving and i'm seeing loads of property going up in london but i think <laughs> what what's interesting well yeah i mean i mean <laughs> unaffordable we, homes we we've <laughs> yeah we've <laughs> Yeah, there's plenty of unaffordable housing out there. They look lovely. No, I think we, <laughs> I think we've talked about before how um, there is a recession coming, and it's going to start with the housing market. I think, and that's starting to the cracks are starting to show. Yeah, um, already, um, particularly when the government. God, I'm getting really political for it, for someone that's like, let's not make this podcast political, but. Um, what you know last year or whenever it was when the government's like we're going to get rid of stamp duty for first-time buyers it's like that's just because you're trying to keep the housing market afloat because you know it's (laughs) fucked um but like things like that um but i i think i mean we can't deny right that that there is this uh inter intragenerational uh gap in terms of economics but i i just think i i just sort the housing market out just that that is that is the solution the housing market is broken has been broken for a really long time just sort it the hell out if it was like for me when i look at it and like i was talking to my friend he works for like a fund that kind of like builds some of this property and he was sort of saying oh i'm kind of interested in investing myself and maybe i should get into property and it's kind of like what i've been researching like our generation will never get the returns that our parents generation got yeah and it's a bit like the whole cryptocurrency thing it kind of went mental like the old people bought their bitcoins when they were like less yep. than a dollar yep. and then suddenly they're worth like a thousand or three thousand or yep. how many thousand pound and he's like we might buy one when they're a thousand pound and the most they're going to go up to is like mm-hmm. a thousand like a grand and a half and i feel like the problem is there is that actually you build up your wealth in your youth to get to start growing that wealth but now it's kind of like the, the distance to get there is so far and unless those parents who managed to buy up a load of that property when they were but when it was cheap all right then now the only opportunity is that they pass it down and then those generations underneath them will have it that's the problem i think and that's the biggest danger i see is that actually income equality is based on how much how rich the parents of the millennials were mm-hmm. in terms of whether or not they're going to make it on the property ladder yeah I, I, yeah, and that's the only thing that I feel is like that's the only real struggle because then it's those people that I look at some people friends and stuff and think well how the fuck are you going to do it I mean, without are... a little bit of support or you've just got to hit like a really well I'm not saying like victim mentality oh poor you because we live in a society where you can earn a lot more money if you start a business you do other things that are going to increase your wealth but I don't know what were you going to say I think there are just so many variables right um 
There are just so many variables to whether or not you can get on the property ladder. Um, I mean, if you live in Manchester, it's you'll have a much easier time of it um, than if you live in London, right? Um, same with Birmingham to London and basically anywhere but London, uh, <laughs> it would seem. But um, also all the career opportunities are in London. So if you want to build a future, um, that because... And wrongly so, I think, because this country is so London-centric, you're kind of forced to move towards London. And the closer to London you get, the more expensive the housing prices get. Um, and also, so you, so you move to London, so then you have to rent, and the rent prices are ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, but also, I mean, I don't know, right? This is, this is such a messy, messy issue because... Government after government after government after government after government have not done anything about it because we've gone into... I always bring this documentary up. I think I must have brought this documentary up about 10 times on this podcast over the uh, last 12 months or so. But there's a documentary on Netflix called Boom Bust Boom. And it talks about how the crashing of an economy always goes through the same pattern every time. Where basically... Um, we find a commodity where we where it can quote only go up in value. It will never fall in value, unquote. Um, and um, basically, we find that, and we we spend loads and loads of money to buy loads of it because everybody it's like the Bitcoin effect. Everybody goes, oh my god, I can make so much money overnight, and then everybody does that, and then because everybody does it, the value starts to plummet, and um, then everything crashes, right? And that's kind of the position that we've rocket, got. The price rockets when everybody gets in. Yeah, yeah but then it crashes <laughs> yeah, eventually yeah, after, yeah. because because after because base yeah it kind of goes demand in that, goes up, d- price goes up, yeah, value goes up, and then suddenly everyone goes. And then the yeah. price goes up so high, <laughs> yeah, because the demand is so high because everybody wants it that actually no yeah. people can no longer afford it, yeah. which means the demand plummets, yeah. and then basically people lose a lot of money overnight. And that's yeah. basically what's going to happen with the housing market because I've had so many conversations with so many people from the older generation going, well, you, if you buy property, you'll only ever make money. And I'm like, do you not hear yourself? <laughs> but at the same time, if it does always boom, bust, boom, eventually it's going to come back around, and usually the booms are greater than the busts. Right, but so what I what I worry term. about <laughs> is that that our generation are going to be the generation stuck in the middle, right? Where we're going to be the one that's left out of this, and actually the generation after us will be able to get on the property ladder no problem. We'll be and we will essentially, as you said, be waiting for our inheritance to, to <laughs> inherit our houses from our parents, mm-hmm. because that's the only way that we're ever going to be able to own a house. Mm-hmm. Other than obviously, whether you be the risk taker business or something massive blows up for you. Yeah. But I think even <laughs> then, I think, I, I don't know. I just don't think that, that that is variable enough because also we shouldn't be being put in a position where we're having to take massive risks and starting businesses just to be able to own our own home. Yeah. Well, unfortunately pay is not going up high enough to allow no. people to save enough. So no, <laughs> But, but again, but that's part of the problem. Jobs. We shouldn't be having to take on more risk in order to own a home. Mm. Because we're already having to take massive risks to rent a home. Would you give £10,000 to a 25-year-old? Absolutely not. Like, you want to talk about 
young people having entitlement. And then you're going to talk about, in the next breath, giving a 25-year-old, who is still, as far as I'm concerned, somebody that hasn't really gained that much life experience, are you going to give a 25-year-old 10 grand to buy a house? (laughs) And then you're going to complain about young people being entitled. Please. (laughs) And then they'll be like, why aren't they paying the mortgage? Well, because they didn't learn how to save money. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So... Let's let's get our priorities right, shall we? We sound like old people now. Just I do sound like people. a vote. I'm ill, guys. Oh, cool. <laughs> That's going to be my. As I get ill, I get older in my mind. That's basically what happens. <laughs> I get dementia, as Jem as experienced earlier. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so I think enough on that. I think we've we've talked enough about that. Let's dive into our tech news. Okay, so Jem, you sent me the article. When, it, when the news broke, and I was mm-hmm. like, damn. He was not happy. I was not happy. I love sending Wayne Google news. Yeah, because I hate... So, full disclosure, I despise Google as an organization. I think they are an evil organization, and I think they are Big Brother. Um, I, I, I avoid using Google products where I can. I do use Google search. I do, yeah. I do use Google search, even though my brother has constantly told me to use, I think it's called DuckDuckGo, which is basically as good, well, almost as good as Google, but privacy pro um i do use google um the search engine i (laughs) avoid using google docs like the plague although sometimes i am forced to um i don't use google maps i don't use google chrome unless i'm forced to so basically the only time i use anything google beyond google search and it hurts you when you use and it really hurts me when i do as well because i really i don't like their privacy policy which is basically you use our shit we know everything about you um, anyway, so that's my full disclosure. I don't like Google. I do like this idea. And what I said to you was, damn, I wish Apple had got on this first. And I, cause I, and you were like, why? And I was like, cause I would not trust Google with this shit. <laughs> um, so basically Google announced that Google IO, which is like their, um, equivalent to a developers conference. Um, they announced what they call Google Duplex, which, first of all, is the most stupid name for this technology ever. Because do you know what I think when I, of when I think of Duplex? Like paint? No. <laughs> like a house? No. Isn't a Duplex, like a couple of ha- I don't know. Don't so they? I think of... Maybe, oh, now you're making me question myself whether or not this is right. Oh, I'm thinking like Dulux or... Do you remember, do you remember the, the kids' Lego, the big Lego? Yeah, the big massive, the bigger blocks. The big yeah. blocks. That the was called blocks. Duplex, right? No idea. Oh, you're making me doubt myself now. There you go. Well, that's what I think of. I might be wrong, but you that's what I think of. think of Lego blocks when you, you hit big, it. Yeah, Duplex. I think of Lego blocks. I think it's a rubbish name. Anyway, um, <laughs> I hate Google. Technology. Um, so <laughs> the idea of Google Duplex is that they're, the Google Assistant, the AI Assistant, uh, will make a phone call on your behalf in order to book an appointment, book a table reservation, etc., etc. Will it say happy birthday to your friends on your behalf? So you now see that. That would be great. <laughs> be good if you can just like. But I'd have to tell. I'd have to tell it which ones I actually do actually want to say happy birthday care. to. Or you just may say this in a really. Because like, I mean, let's be honest. If boring. if if your girlfriend got a phone call from Google Assistant, Jem yeah. says happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> She'd be like, you Jem, would be in. Jem, better wait till I get home. <laughs> so you'd have to be like, no, no, I'll deal with that one, Google. Or do you play? I don't even know what you call it. I don't but it know. sounds very realistic. Oh, happening out here. Hi, I'm calling to book a woman's haircut for a client. Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd. 
Sure, give me one. That's it. Mm-hmm. Sure, what time are you looking for around? At 12 p.m. We do not have a 12 p.m. available. The closest we have to that is a 1.15. Do you have anything between 10 a.m. and uh, 12 p.m.? Depending on what service she would like, what service is she looking for? Just a woman's haircut for now. Okay, we have a 10 o'clock. 10 a.m. is fine. Okay, what's her first name? The first name is Lisa. Okay, perfect. So I will see Lisa at 10 o'clock on May 3rd. Okay, great. Thanks. Great. Have a great day. Bye. I have so many problems with this. Problem number one is... Uh, ma- mainly my distrust of Google. Um, but basically, I have found, and I think Google Glass is a perfect example of this. Google Glass was great technology, but it was half-baked in its execution, right? And I do think that what Google demonstrated is best-case scenario. Yeah, definitely. And I really do have my doubts as to how convincing it will be um, as a technology. Um the point I think they're trying to do, though, I think is that this is like the border. And I think you're going to say this later on is the idea that too realistic kind of blurs the lines in terms of it being so fluid. I don't know if that's the whole point of it to be so perfect, because wouldn't there's got to be some sort of differentiator that you actually this is a bot or this. I guess, obviously, if you're sending it to a random person, they don't know what you sound like. But you're probably going to use it quite often with friends and be like, hey, guys, do you want to book a table for the restaurant at blah, blah, blah this time? And then in that case, you can understand it's not a bot. Whereas that sounds so realistic. I actually had to listen for a while before I realized which one was actually the mm-hmm. bot. It, it, is, it is good. I mean, once you know which one is which, you can hear it. You can definitely hear that it's a bot. I think the pause, they've got pauses that kind the of give pauses it away. pauses and yeah. And, and just so, the certain intonation of certain words. But of course, they can tighten that up over time. But one of the main uh, criticisms that's been picked up is particularly in this age of pro consent in every aspect with gdpr and hashtag me too at the same time um we're in a world where we are very 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 sensitive as to what we are giving our permission for things to do and one of the big criticisms of this is well actually does the person on the other end know that they're talking to a robot and google have apparently come out and said that yes they are building that into it so that people do know which kind of brings me to many other issues right about this whole thing because surely the whole point of this to many degrees is actually to disguise the fact that you're talking to a robot right because otherwise why put so much effort into making it sound super super human right Mm. The counter-argument would be, well, we don't like talking to robots on the phone. Pressed one. Right. <laughs> and when you have those, those um, uh, call centers now where they don't hire people. They've hired a voice actor to, to do pre-scripted things. And you answer the phone and they go, hello. And you go, hi. And then there's a really long pause. <laughs> and they're like, my name is blah, blah, blah. And you're like, down. It's like, say your name. Yeah, right. <laughs> Jam, fucking you. And as soon as you realise that it's, a... I didn't get that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but like, actually, for me personally, 
when I get those calls, it irks me even more because I'm like, actually, it feels like you're trying to trick me into thinking mm. that this is a real human when I know that it's not. Which actually makes irks me even more because I'm like, you have no respect for your potential customer here. And I do think that if this Google Assistant phones up and goes, just to let you know, you are talking to a robot, phones down straight away. <laughs> and it completely defeats the whole object. But I think the future is not robot to human it's robot to robot i agree on your behalf and I, I agree and i think that's where we're heading i think it starts with allowing the technology to be available because soon enough it'll be like well jem's got a uh, voice person controlling his calendar so have you wayne mine goes and speaks to yours they speak to each other and then they negotiate on that and then they do it on your behalf uh-huh. i think that's where it's heading and i guess I it's agree. not until there's mass sort of what I think would be the better version of this, which is what I hope that Apple are going to do, which is an equivalent of this. P.S. If this was Apple's thing, Wayne would be singing all the praise. He'd be like, this is amazing already. Of course I would. Um, <laughs> not denying. Although, although, to be fair, I think I would still kind of... It would depend on how they execute on it, right? Because there are, these problems that I'm talking about could be addressed with different execution. Yeah. Um, and I think... And this is my problem with Google and the way Google do things overall about being half-baked in their execution is I do feel like Google come up with great ideas and they go, yes, this is going to be the future, but they don't think it through properly. They don't follow out the whole use case. Right. And I, because I, this was the problem I had with Google Glass, right? Because I was like, great concept. I think definitely the future, but who's going to wear that fucking piece of shit and walk around looking like an absolute twat in the middle of London and look at the, and just to look at Big Ben with like fucking history little info things pop up in their eyesight. Like Google didn't think that through. You look like a twat when you're wearing that thing. <laughs> and I feel like it's a similar, similar situation here where they're not actually thinking about the, again, they always think about the person using it, but not the pe- about the people experiencing it from a, outside perspective and i think that's the same problem here but anyway what i hope apple do as an equivalent to this which actually i think would be far more successful um would be if instead of an ai doing phone calls on your behalf that they're sending emails on your behalf and the back and forth of emails or even messaging or even messaging yeah Yeah. doing it in the written form Uh because i think that's a far more attainable um, yeah. B requires a lot less in terms of technological um, craziness, um, and There's also no deception. So much, I guess, in the kind of the human voice of it. Is, exactly, yeah. exactly. It's less deceptive. I think it will piss less people off, and there's actually less um, less room for. Um, how can I? How can I? No, I get what you're saying because a text message is very finite. It's very done. It's baked. Whereas, like yeah. a conversation, can take too many different variables. So. Right. And we've seen there is a technology that exists. I think it's called Clara, which I did sign up to do the beta for, which was really interesting. But I just don't have a use case for it, sadly. Um, and it is quite expensive. But I think if Apple can bake Siri into your emails and your text messages, and you just say Siri, reply to this for me, mm. or uh, Siri. Uh, email um, this restaurant, book me a table. I think that that could happen so quickly 
and it could happen and it could be so effective i think it would just be i think it would be the step to get to where we're then getting mm. to because what it then does is it builds that ai ecosystem in where you, basically you've got ais emailing each other yeah. um and then basically all you have to do is then take that ais emailing each other and transfer that into audio yeah. And then you've got what you're talking about. Yeah, it's quite interesting because I've been playing around for my biz- my food business. Like we have a Facebook page and there's a um, bit of software that I was listening to a podcast I've started using and we get a lot of people message the page and it's usually always the same questions. Uh-huh. And so like I think yesterday or the day before, I literally just spent like about an hour just thinking up every single possible uh-huh. question. And I was asking my girlfriend, like, what would you ask if you were asking this page something? And we just went through and I pretty much built out this whole chatbot or ultimately the only thing it needs is when people say oh what time do you guys close and obviously uh, bring up here's our opening hours. i want to build that in for um, yeah. for my boss i've got a great piece of technology to do it it's incredible amazing it's so Send easy it to use way. um literally so and, fact, it's, link it in. and it's free to use and i can't remember the name of it uh, it's free free to use amazing yeah you can get a, like a pro version but right. i don't think you need it and so i've just been playing around with that and it's kind of that's where i see it. it's kind of like when me and you booked to do a podcast our phones already have the data to know that it's likely at some point before wednesday yeah or when yeah before wednesday we're going to need to book a podcast meeting uh-huh. and so you should say here guys oh you because you usually say you usually make the calendar invite or something it could automatically make that calendar invite invite and i could reply i could probably program my mac to do that anyway actually yeah. thinking about it Something like that. And then it would just be either I just hit accept or my my one looks at my calendar and says, actually, mm-hmm. like this morning we had to change it yesterday because of what I had to do today. If there was a way that it could negotiate around what it knows is in my calendar, uh-huh. send you back a message, say, sorry, Jem can't do that time. Well, but I, mean, could do... I mean, we're, par- we're partly there already. Like, yeah. this is the thing about, and this is why I love the time that we're living in, right? Um, this is the thing about it because you, we're in a position where all of the infrastructure is kind of there. Mm. it's just kind of it's just linking it all together because because siri i don't know if you've ever noticed you might not have this feature turned on but siri will actually read your text messages and your emails and it will put suggestions in your calendar for potential events okay no i haven't got that so if they step that up and basically then read your text messages and and realize that actually we're rescheduling it you could go straight into your calendar and Mm -hmm. it's rescheduled for you already just because we've text going oh i can't do 10 o'clock on wednesday can you do yeah and it kind of like hold it as like a gray it's kind of in your calendar but as a gray until you accept it it brings it. yeah which is kind of almost what it does already yeah so it's, it's pretty much there yeah, no, it's quite interesting. I do think it's obviously the future. Again, it's what you said there. It's kind of, it's a great idea. It's kind of how do you execute? And it's all about the usability. Usually that's, I've got to say, that's usually what Apple does best, which yeah. is why maybe the execution might be better. But Wayne, are you for this kind of tech? I'm for the kind of tech. I just don't think Google got it right. Fair enough. Cool. So should we wrap up there? Yes, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So if you've got any thoughts on either whether 25-year-old should be getting £10,000 or Google Assistant, Siri or, or Alexa or whoever you want uh, phoning people on your behalf, uh, drop us a tweet at pn underscore podcast uh, and we will, we will debate with you on there. Um, also, if you could leave us a nice review on iTunes, it helps get the podcast in front of more eyes and ears i suppose actually rather nice um we would be very very grateful five star five stars or more greatly appreciated <laughs> nearly there wayne nearly, nearly there. there i'm gonna make it I'm gonna make it um so that is it for this week thank you very much for tuning in 
and we will catch you next time. See you later. Bye.